We look at a couple of floor versus ceiling debates at the wide receiver position and get interrupted by breaking news on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of Fantasy Football in 15 here at The Athletic, Tuesday, August 11th. Thank you so much for joining us. I am Michael Beller, joined by Derek Van Riper. DVR, what's up? And not too much. Happy Tuesday to you. Glad to be uh, rolling through another week. And it seems like time is really going fast now that we have three major sports that were previously shut down all back and the NFL just looming around the corner. Yes, indeed, and at this time next week, we will uh, be having teams who are actually practicing. Uh, padded practices underway. Obviously, we know no preseason games, but padded practices will be will be underway, I should say, one week from today. So hopefully we'll have a little bit more hard news to go on then, and we'll just be inside a month away from the start of the NFL season. Uh, with the fact that teams are getting back but still not quite producing the sort of news we're used to at this stage of the summer, we're going to go back and look at a couple more of our debates. We're going to go at the wide receiver position, and we found a fun construct for our two debates today. Uh, ones where the two guys are very close to one another. Both of these debates feature players who are within one half pick of each other in terms of ADP on NFFC leagues since July 24th. So we're just talking about the last, what, two and a half weeks, three weeks or so. Uh, guys who are basically getting picked back-to-back at the same position, and conveniently enough for us, both of these debates feature one player who clearly, obviously, has more upside, and then another player who clearly, obviously, has a better floor. So we'll say right out front that it could be a team construction issue that makes you decide, I'm going to go with player A versus player B uh, in these two debates, but still a fun discussion to have. The first one is between A.J. Brown and Robert Woods. A.J. Brown, of course, playing the role of the upside guy. Robert Woods playing the role of the floor guy. ADP since July 24th here. We've got A.J. Brown at 43.3 overall, the wide receiver 17. Robert Woods at 43.72, the wide receiver 18. DVR, you are on the side of A.J.B. Tell us why. Well, I think A.J. Brown has... uh, Another couple of levels, potentially, in terms of volume. I mean, only 84 targets in 16 games as a rookie, and those were pretty well backloaded in the second half of the year once Ryan Tannehill took over at quarterback. And we've talked about him on the show before. I don't think any receiver in the league did more with as much as A.J. Brown did with just 84 targets. 12.5 yards per target last season, so he took 52 catches, turned that into 1,051 yards. That is not sustainable. You look at that and you say, there's no way that repeats. But I think you saw a guy that in his rookie season developed into a true number one receiver. He's heading up a receiving core that really doesn't have any significant additions at all. Maybe you could argue that works against them because teams can focus all of their defensive efforts on slowing him down since there are so few threats around him. But the thing I like about Brown is that he flashed a combination of both big playability and the ability to break tackles, which is kind of unusual at the wide receiver position. Usually your burners are not going to break tackles, so he can catch a ball near the line of scrimmage, shake a tackle, and take it to the house, or he can just beat guys over the top when the Titans take some chances downfield. So I think he's a much more dynamic player than many of us were giving him credit for coming out of college. I like the possibility that entering year two, we scale that target volume up so much that it will more than account for the certain drop in per-target efficiency. I just 
I don't think I've ever seen him an average 12.5 yards per target on 80-plus targets before, so there's no way it's going to happen again. But I think the key difference here for me between A.J. Brown and Robert Woods is that I think A.J. Brown's ceiling could make him a back-of-the-first-round sort of receiver in 2021, whereas Robert Woods, as more of a floor guy, has similar players who can match his value who are available a couple of rounds later. It's really just about the type of player I'm getting and how things could go right. I don't know if Robert Woods has any more projection left in him at this point, even though he's taken such a huge step forward during his time in Los Angeles. As everyone knows, this is primarily a news show, and as DVR was talking, came across a little bit of breaking news on Twitter. I'm going to hold that, though. I'm going to go into my answer first here, and then we will talk about that breaking news. Gotta love it. Live on the show, breaking news. A few hours later by the time you're listening to this, but for us as we're talking... Live on the news, or live on the show, breaking news. I agree with you that A.J. Brown, if Robert Robert Woods outscores A.J. Brown this year, I think it'll probably probably be the last year that he outscores A.J. Brown. Clearly, A.J. Brown is an ascending talent. No one would be surprised if we're talking about him as a consistent top seven or even better wide receiver as soon as next season. The reason why I still lean toward Woods this year is because that consistency is so rock solid. It almost goes overlooked how consistent this guy is. He is, in terms of consistency, he is almost, he's like Julio Jones. And obviously he's not as good. The the level of the, the level of production at the consistency is not anywhere near as high as Julio Jones, but he is that consistent at his level. In 43 games with the Rams, he has 232 catches on 354 targets, a little bit better than 3,100 yards and 13 touchdowns. If you extrapolate that to a 16-game season, get 86 catches, 1,166 yards, and five touchdowns. And he has done all that while playing with a very high-volume running back in Todd Gurley, who not only sucks up 250-plus carries, uh, but also 70-plus targets every single year, and then also with Brandon Cooks for some of the time in Los Angeles. Neither of those guys are in play for the Rams this season. With both those guys out of the picture, I think there's going to be more volume for both Robert Woods and Cooper Cup. And even though I will acknowledge Cup as the number one receiver in L.A., Woods has been a very consistent, very capable of producing himself even with all these other guys who he's had to compete with. I think he can break 140 targets in his career for the first time this season. He would have done it last year, 139 targets in 15 games. I think he could push up to 150 targets this season. And as great as A.J. Brown is, I don't think he comes anywhere near sniffing that sort of volume in an offense that is still going to be built very heavily around Derrick Henry and the run game. So I get the ceiling argument for A.J. Brown, and I am happy to have A.J. Brown on some of my teams. But Robert Woods, that consistency, he ends up being the answer for me. Now, really quick DVR, before we jump into our second wide receiver debate, I want to throw you this breaking news. Perhaps you've jumped over to Twitter and seen it. Lamar Miller, he is back. He has signed with the New England Patriots. So maybe a little bit of clarity or maybe a little bit less clarity with that running back situation. Your instant reaction to Lamar Miller joining the Patriots. Why didn't Washington sign him? We talked to Ben Standig (laughs) on Monday's show about how much of a mess that backfield is and how unsettled everything is and I mean, don't you think Lamar Miller has more left in the tank, even coming off torn ACL, than Adrian Peterson does? Like, I think this could be a nice fit for him in New England. I wonder what this really means for the health of Sony Michelle. I wonder if Rex Burkhead is in danger, maybe not making the team. We didn't see much from Damian Harris last year, so it looks like a pretty clear path to a significant role where Miller could be the primary ball carrier. 
occasionally on the field in some passing down situations, and then James White would do typical James White things. So uh, this is an interesting New England team because you add Miller, you, know, you, already, you already got Cam Newton, got a lot of young, unproven receivers trying to kind of push their way up the depth chart to compete with Edelman and Mohamed Sanu for targets. It's going to look different in New England, but I actually like this addition for them. I like it too, and we were just talking about this backfield on one of these episodes last week, and I said that I just want no part of this backfield. I don't really care where the the price comes in on James White, Sony Michelle, even Damian Harris. It was a backfield that I was basically acting as though it didn't exist in any of my drafts or auctions. That changes with Lamar Miller, and as long as you have realistic expectations for the sort of player he can be, I think he can be a contributory player in fantasy leagues this season. Obviously missed all of last year with the torn ACL. That was on August 24th, so he's going to be more than a year removed. He's going to be, what, about a year and a month removed uh, from that ACL on week one. I think that's good news for him. I also don't think the Patriots make this sort of move if they don't ultimately plan on him being a big part of their offense. So I'm still not going crazy for anyone in this backfield. There's still going to be a lot of picking and choosing your spots, I think. But Lamar Miller, if uh, I am going to have a Patriot running back, Lamar Miller will be that Patriot. We'll talk more, I'm sure, about Lamar Miller and the signing in New England on the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Be sure to check that out four days a week in the preseason, and we'll add that fifth day a week once the season begins. One more wide receiver debate to get to. Just like I said for A.J. Brown and Robert Woods, it's another floor versus ceiling debate. We've got T.Y. Hilton as the floor guy here, Marquise Brown as the ceiling. Hilton checking in with an ADP of 63.01, the wide receiver 26. Marquise at 63.54, the wide receiver 27. We are flipping identities in this one, DVR. You're on the floor guy in T.Y. I am on the ceiling guy in Marquise Brown. You go ahead and go first. Why T.Y. in this debate? Well, it's a big caveat, but if healthy, I think T.Y. Hilton is capable of maybe even exceeding the production of Robert Woods. I think you're looking at two guys who don't bring a lot of TD potential to the table, but T.Y. Hilton, when healthy, is still a good big play receiver. I look at him as a guy that can pull in 80-plus passes. I know Phillip Rivers is only probably a small upgrade over Jacoby Brissett at this stage of his career, but if you look back at 2018, the last time we saw what looked like a very healthy T.Y. Hilton, 76 catches, 1,270 yards, six touchdowns in just 14 games. 22 of those catches went for 20-plus yards, and six went for 40-plus yards. So I don't think he's lost as much physically as some people would lead us to believe. And I just think he's the perfect example of the type of player you can get a couple of rounds later. You're not going to find an A.J. Brown-type player in this range, although I think you have someone who is explosive and exciting and maybe could do something along those lines. But I just look at Hilton as one of those guys. He's clearly the number one option in the Colts offense as long as he's healthy, whereas Woods is more of a 1A, 1B with Cooper Cup. Even if that passing game volume goes up, that's still shared. I think it's Hilton and then everybody else in Indy. Who doesn't like the Colts offense, though, with Frank Reich at the controls with a good offensive line and hopefully with the improved quarterback play of veteran Phillip Rivers? Yeah, got to admit, T.Y. Hilton is going to have the best quarterback play he's had in the last two seasons. Of course, the surprise retirement of Andrew Luck just before the year last year, and then the season before that, Luck dealt with his fair share of injury issues. So uh, T.Y. has got to be very happy to see someone like Phillip Rivers under center, a steady hand for the most part. Of course, he has his interception games here and there, but a steady hand for the most part, a guy who has always been an accurate passer. You pretty much lock up uh, Phillip Rivers for two-thirds completion percentage or better ever. 
every single season. So that should be music to T.Y.'s ears. And the guy who obviously still not afraid to throw the deep ball, that's where T.Y. does his best work. So this is not really an anti-Hilton case. It's more of a pro-Marquise Brown case. I remember way back when, Derek, when we were doing our State of the Team series and we had Jeff Zrebic on, who covers the Ravens for us, he talked about uh, the fact that Marquise Brown did everything he did last year at basically nowhere near 100% for the entire season. And it's always silly when people say, yeah, yeah, he was 60% because, you know, who actually knows what that means. But the point is, is that he was never near 100%. He suffered the foot injury uh, back in his college days at Oklahoma. The Ravens knew that he was coming into the year with that, and he was just never able to get over it. The screw that he had put in his foot to fix that Liz Frank surgery uh, back in his college days, that is now out of his foot. Uh, All reports are indicating that he is back at a level of health that he hasn't experienced since leaving Norman. And that is great news for the Ravens, great news for Marquise Brown drafters, very bad for any corners, safeties, whoever, who are tasked with slowing down one of the fastest men in the NFL today. Even with all those foot issues last year and a rookie season, still gave you 46 grabs, 584 yards, and seven touchdowns. Obviously, the seven touchdowns on 71 targets and 46 catches is an unsustainable rate, and I think that Lamar Jackson, too, 36 touchdowns last year, a 9% touchdown rate. He was just one of three quarterbacks in NFL history to hit a 9% touchdown rate with at least 400 passes. The other two were Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning, and neither of them came close to doing it the following season. But even if you regress that touchdown rate, I think Marquise Brown can make up for it by the fact of just A, being healthy, and B, getting more volume in this offense. And even though Mark Andrews maybe can still be the top pass catcher, there is no threat, no singular threat in this offense that can come close to doing anything that Marquise Brown does. So I really like him to take a big step forward this year. There are going to be some bust weeks, of course. That's just the nature of receiver that he is. I would not be trying to sit here and make an argument that, assuming health for T.Y. Hilton, that he's going to be as consistent week in, week out as the Colts' number one guy. But all I've done is sit here and talk about how Marquise Brown is now finally healthy And he is a better bet injury-wise than T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. has had a litany of injuries of his own, and I think that you do have to caveat anything you uh, say about him with the fact that there is a real injury risk here, and I think it's not fully being baked into his ADP. Again, 63.01, the wide receiver 26. I think Marquise Brown is a very good boom candidate this year, and I think that I would really like to take that chance on him hitting that boom in this 2020 season. Really quick DVR. Let's look at these four guys all at ADP. Just to recap, A.J. Brown, 43.3. Robert Woods, 43.72. Marquise Brown, 63.54. T.Y. Hilton, 63.01. Give me your rank on those guys at ADP, one through four. Accounting for price, I think Hilton's the guy that I'm most likely to get. I think A.J. Brown would be a distant second. Robert Woods, not that far behind. because I think that is a simple ceiling versus floor. I could see if I had a little more risk with my first two picks, maybe being a little more careful and taking Woods in that spot. Uh, Hollywood Brown, last for now. I think the biggest concern I have for him is the usage coming out of the bye week last season. Counting that playoff game in which he had 126 yards and was targeted 11 times, he only had more than four targets in two of the last 10 games. Like, that's really limited usage. That scares me a lot. I like the talent a ton. I hope he's healthy. I want to see him take that leap. But I just think of this group, he's the guy that I'm the least confident in right now. 
Well, we're going to have a pretty big difference of opinion here because I would actually take him first at ADP among these four guys, then really close on two and three between Woods and Brown. Basically, no difference in how I feel about them, and that's reflected in their ADPs. And again, that is one really where if I feel good about my first three picks, if I got high floors in those three guys, then maybe I lean towards Brown. Or uh, yeah, lean towards Brown. If I already feel like I've got a little bit of risk in those first three guys, and I've got some real upside, then maybe I lean toward the floor case in Woods. And then fourth for me is T.Y. Hilton. Those injury issues do scare me. I will admit, though, if he plays 13-plus games, then he's probably going to outdo that ADP. Hopefully we outdid ourselves on this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. Please give us a rating, a review, and a subscription out there in the free universe. And if you're in the free universe and not in the athletic universe, come join us. We have so many stars and planets. It's beautiful up here. You can get 40% off a subscription at theathletic.com slash football in 15. For DVR, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, thanks for listening and have a great day.